Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, do people who work in tea factories have coffee breaks? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with my guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door so snuggle under your covers turn out your light and hold on tight the rules are very simple points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror extra points will be available for shock and awe value tell me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates i will employ what i have called the inappropriate bell an example of this would be the panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show, and we're completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather realised this week that there are ten types of people in this world, those that know binary and those that don't. Welcome to the show, Heather. I'm confused. <laughs> it's easily done, but if you go away and research binary, that joke is in fact very funny. <laughs> we also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim realised this week that when Bambi dies and becomes a ghost, it will be Bamboo. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. <laughs> and finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras than leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also our sound engineer and producer. Greg made a vampire snowman this week and then got frostbitten. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Hello, Greg. It's too warm for that. 
Well, you say that in Minnesota. I've witnessed snowstorms in May and June, so we have everything ahead of us, I'm sure. I don't believe you. I, f- I remember there very distinctly. There was definitely snowstorms this time last year. I've been camping on Memorial Weekend, and we made snowmen. That's Do- awesome. Doesn't that make you want to come and live in Minnesota, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> this is what we have to put up with in this particular state. This is Series 2 episode nine would you believe nine is a very interesting number 999 of course is the equivalent of 911 in britain not to be confused of course with 666 which is the australian emergency services that's a joke by the way don't don't go to australia (laughs) (laughs) for one moment dial 666 in japanese culture the number nine is considered to be unlucky I say unlucky because every time we read out a number on this show, it's lucky in Chinese or Japanese culture. But number nine, apparently, is unlucky because it sounds like their word for pain or distress. So uh, bend over and I'll give you a number nine. There are nine circles of hell in Dante's Divine Comedy. And if you've ever flown with uh, Delta Airlines, then you would have experienced all nine of those. And there used to be, of course, nine planets back in the good old days. Do you remember that? There isn't any more? No, apparently we've got eight and a half now, so I'm led to believe. So this is where we are. And uh, one of the things I'd like to bring up, thank you to all of our listeners on darkmatterradio.net. If you wish to uh, listen to an extra 20 minutes of unedited show that we can't say live on air on a Friday night at 10 o'clock, then you're more than welcome to go to SoundCloud and look up MQTA Radio. And uh, you will find the parts of the show that we are not allowed to put out live for the reasons of common decency. And you'll understand when you get there. So if you enjoy the show, tell your friends and family. Post it all over Facebook, of course. But uh, do be sure to check us out on SoundCloud for an extra 20 minutes of fun and frivolity that your mother would not probably want to listen to. Now, we was in Long Prairie last week. Long Prairie is uh, a town just north of Sauk Centre in the middle of minnesota and we did an investigation we went into the abandoned first national bank that was built back in the 18 um well the bank was established in the 1880s but it was from that location in about 1907 1908 onwards but we investigated a disused bank which was fabulous we then went into an opera house in long prairie also known as the kemp block and uh, we discovered that it used to be an undertaker's as well. So it's one of those opera house slash undertakers that you read about so much in Minnesota. But Heather, you was with me on that particular night investigating. What were your thoughts? What did you come up with that you thought was very interesting that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I had some activity on um, a new piece of equipment that I had, which was a static detector, and it was out in the middle of a room all by itself, like a, I don't know, a large garage type of area. And uh, the static detector was having tons of activity and we got it on video. So maybe we can post that at some point. But I think the highly expensive equipment that we used in the bank basement was the best, which was a helium balloon from your birthday. <laughs> yes, it was. It was my birthday last week. And uh, subsequently, I got given a balloon, which is what every 45 year old man <laughs> wants for his birthday, of course. But we decided to take it with us as a trigger object. Anything can be used as a trigger object. And we set it up in the basement of the bank. And uh, then what took place? Uh, Actually, the balloon moved on command 
from one direction to another direction, and then we'd ask it to move another direction, and then it would do that. So it was actually quite fun. And it was a highly expensive piece of equipment. Yes. One of the things um, I will bring up is that sometimes you have to be creative and think outside of the box. One of the devices we've used in the past was an Etch-A-Sketch. So when you're shopping in Walmart and you're standing there waiting for your line you know, to go down and to see the cashier, you're sat there with all those magazines and all the chewing gum and chocolate and everything else. There's normally like a $1 small Etch-A-Sketch. And if you think about it, the Etch-A-Sketch is full of kind of iron filings and ghosts can manipulate EMF, electrical magnetic fields. So it makes sense that they could manipulate the filings to draw things out and to write things. And I've actually experienced putting an Etch-A-Sketch down as a trigger object, coming back to it and seeing words written on it. And that just cost a dollar. Like what? Well, it, on one occasion, it had the word P, a giant P written on it. And the ghost we were trying to access was called Paul. So I thought that was very intriguing. That was in uh, St. Paul many years ago when we was investigating in oh. the Twin Cities. So I, I wonder if there could be drawings on there as well. We call it the death sketch now. This is the death sketch. Wow. But one of the things I got from Long Prairie that I thought was very interesting is that psychically I had a lady come through to me who said her name was Abby, wanted to be called B. And she said that she never visited the building except when she was uh, laid out in wake, i.e. taken to the undertakers. And at the time, we'd only heard a rumour that it was an undertaker's. No one could actually give me any facts to back that up. And I asked her when she was laid out in rest, which, again, raises many questions about seeing yourself in spirit after you've died and watching your body. But if you've got an opportunity to go to your own funeral, you'd go and see it, wouldn't you? You'd see who turns up. You'd see who was, you know, speaking about you. And you'd see whether Auntie Joan had bothered to comb her hair or not and who made an effort, I guess. So she said she was laid out in wake there. And I asked her when. And she told me 1934. Now, one of the interesting things was that we then did an experiment with a shack hack and we got the same information came through not only psychically but also verbally that we have on audio through the shack hack say in 1934 as well with the help of uh, Lorna one of my team leaders who lives in Long Prairie who's done the most amazing amount of research for me we discovered historically now that that undertakers was there from 1932 to 1942 which fits in that window of when she said she was there so we're adding to the canon of history of Minnesota by exploring ghosts and spirits and getting information from them and then finding it to be true. So I like the fact we're adding to the canon of the history of Minnesota by interviewing the dead, which is primary source material. So we had a fabulous time. And if anyone gets a chance, you should uh, get to Long Prairie. They've got the Christie House there and lots of other fabulous buildings. Fantastic. Greg, you look like well, you're yeah. bursting to say something. What was the temperature up there? Well, when we first investigated up there in February, it was like minus 20 and the ink in my pen froze and all of our equipment died. But this time round, thankfully, it was temperate and uh, almost tropical, just above zero. Fantastic. <laughs> Who knew such things? We sprint, limping in the cold with a pen that isn't working into the round that is ghosts and hauntings. I have a story here, strangely enough, about a possessed doll. It says possessed doll causes people who look at it to suffer chest planes, nausea and crippling headaches. I get that when I watch Friends, so it must be a similar thing. A paranormal investigator has claimed scores of people around the world have taken ill after seeing pictures of a video of a possessed 
doll. So they just have to see pictures of a video? Yes, if people want to see that, it is on Facebook at the moment. (laughs) No. If people want to feel nausea, chest pains and crippling headaches, they're more than welcome to visit More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook. And you can sit in the comfort of your own home. (laughs) You're just suggesting that if they want to feel all those, they can go to your webpage. (laughs) That's exactly what's been said. Yes, this is where we are. Early use of the inappropriate bell. It's true, I tell you, it is posted for all to see. If you want to see this creepy doll and experience what it's like to be possessed, it's there for you. Jane Harris runs a business called Haunted Dolls in Shrewsbury. She's got no interest in selling any of these dolls, obviously, and promoting this, which offers a range of spooky services, including mediumship and advice on all things occult. She was sent Peggy by a previous owner who was convinced the doll was to blame for a series of terrifying nightmares. Peggy said she'd wake up feeling hot and shaken. No matter where she moved the doll, in her home, the nightmares persisted. She apparently sought the help of a local priest, but two visits later, there was no change. Then back in September, she became quite ill with a fever and began suffering hallucinations. When she recovered, she saw no other option but to get rid of the doll, as she was convinced it was at the centre of all of the things that had been happening. Jane claims to have received reports from dozens of people with bad reactions to seeing pictures or video footage of the doll. If I had to guess, I'd say close to 80 people have come forward with experiences, Jane says. I wonder if that's because you're actually putting the idea there. If you say to someone, I'm going to show you a picture of a doll, and when I show you this picture, you're going to get nausea, you're going to get chest pains, you're going to be possessed. If I then show you the picture of the doll, you've already been pre-programmed to believe that's what's going to happen. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So a psychologist would probably argue that's probably not the way to go, and you're actually putting that information in there. Some are small, like computer screens freezing, sharp headaches or a sense of dread, but others are more disturbing, she continued. One lady said that when she opened a photograph of Peggy, her computer froze on the picture and the room went cold. Probably had a power cut, I would suggest. She then said she felt someone in the room with her and could hear them moving around, Jane continued. She was messaging me at the time via Facebook, asking me to quickly advise her on what to do. Now, I've I've got some experience of this, as we all have with uh, creepy dolls, and uh, there was a place in Alexandria which again is in Minnesota there, going north, up uh, Interstate 94. And uh, there's an antique shop there. And one day I got a phone call from the antique shop saying, we have a creepy doll and we've sold it three or four times. And people keep bringing it back a week later saying they don't want it and they want their money back. And we don't know what to do with it. Will you take it off our hands? So I went up to collect this doll and it was a creepy looking thing, very Victorian, everything you'd expect, I guess, from a creepy doll. And I sat it in the car, put the seatbelt on it, I put it in the car, drove home. We had a nice long chat on the way home and I laid down some ground rules. But apparently people kept bringing it back because the TVs kept coming on in their house for no reason and doors would slam and lights would go on and off. So this scared people and uh, she couldn't sell it. So that evening um, I called this doll Emma, she's little M's, and uh, that evening I put Emma on the couch and uh, i went to bed and lo and behold in the middle of the night the tv came on and that's never happened before in my entire life just randomly came on and uh, we had to have another long chat and uh, subsequently the tv hasn't come on again and we take little ems to all our investigations now she's become like a mascot and she's been thoroughly spiritually scrubbed so she has nothing with her anymore she's quite a sweet doll now i would suggest so that's my experience of possessed and creepy dolls 
We've had an experience with another little bit of a creepy doll named Little Chucky, I believe, too. Yes, we got given uh, Chucky when we was in Long Prairie, actually, by another <laughs> antique shop owner. But what was interesting is we, we, uh, we had this doll with us, and uh, Kim and Greg around the table with me tonight will we'll testify for this, that we put a K2 meter. Greg put a K2 EMF meter next to this doll, and we have video footage of this K2 meter just going nuts sitting next to this doll so again at some point in the future um we'll have to go and have a look and see if we can put that out there on youtube or on our website and you can see chucky the creepy doll with a k2 meter next to it flashing like a christmas tree who's lost shoes across rooms yes we we have found her shoe in various places she does leave her clothes around which is rather unfortunate it's all very if anyone wants that creepy doll do come step forward and uh, we'll post it to you Heather, what have you got for me today in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? The federal government will put you up in this haunted ghost town if you dare. The federal government wants to give you free food, free housing, and a job. No, it's not a scary story that libertarians tell each other around the campfire, but there is a spooky catch to the arrangement. Garnett, Montana is the state's most intact ghost town, and some people maintain that it's actually haunted. In Montana? Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Yes. It's primitive to say the least, Ranger Nakoma Guinan told the Montana Standard this week in an article about Garnet's volunteering opportunities. It's for people who love the outdoors and want to give back. There's no electricity, no Wi-Fi, and no running water. But there I've are... never been to Montana, but if you tell me that's true, I'm happy to believe it. Uh, but there are trails to explore, artifacts to inspect, so that should be your key point. Uh, volunteers are really left to their own devices after the visitors have left. Do you fancy a weekend away in Montana? You can inspect my devices <laughs> wow. and my artifacts. <laughs> your artifacts, that sounds like they're old. <laughs> they're 45. <laughs> if they're going to go there, you can cut them open and count the rings. Oh, but at least one state historian claims that once the sun sets in Garnet, the spirits of the town's historic residents come alive. If you're looking to fill a volunteer spot, you're out of luck for now. In an email to the Huffington Post, Guinan said that all volunteer positions have been filled for the season. So, so let me get this straight year. again. The government is paying people yeah. in terms of food and lodgings yep, everything. for people to volunteer and go and stay in a haunted town. Yep. Without any electricity, nothing, any running water, no Wi-Fi. So, what are they looking for you to find there? Why would you volunteer? What are they looking for? Um, the government basically, you're there to um, sell souvenirs and stuff like that. Oh, so for it's people not a, that it's, are traveling. It's not through. a social experiment. Then you're no. being employed by the government to no. sell T-shirts and stickers. You're not going to get voted off an island. Okay, I did wonder. So, if people fancy, obviously, it's booked up for this year, apparently. But yeah, you can but go they and, look every year for volunteers. You absolutely. can go to live in Montana without any electricity, indoor toilets, or water. And uh, you can sell T-shirts and stickers to tourists and be paid by the government to live in a haunted town. There's some uh, attractiveness about that, isn't there, to a degree? I think it has like an old saloon and everything. It's fabulous. Excellent. We'll take a six-shooter and we'll go there now. (laughs) Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? We have a Texas church member accused of starving a demon-possessed toddler and then trying to resurrect him. How bizarre. It all happens in the South, doesn't it? Have you noticed that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A Texas couple fled to Mexico after a failed attempt to raise a starved toddler from the dead. Officers received an anonymous tip that the two-year-old boy had died nearly a week earlier, but it was not reported. 
Police went to a Balch Springs home, which also operated as a church, where they were told a rising ceremony had been performed four days earlier in an attempt to resurrect him. Wow. The child's body was taken to Mexico the next day by his parents and other members of the Congregational Pueblo de Dios. That'll do. (laughs) Investigators have not yet located the parents or the church congregants. Video of the ceremony appears to show Araceli Meza, the church's secretary, praying and speaking in tongues over the toddler's body, which she anoints with oils as other congregants gather around. Meza, who was not the child's mother, was charged with injury to a child by omission. A woman who knew the boy's mother said pastors believed the child was possessed by demons, and she said the boy went 25 days without food before he died. Oh, my God. Thanks for cheering us all up, Kim. Mm-hmm. Bringer of doom and gloom. Yes. Sat there with your scythe with a big black hood over you. Sometimes these ceremonies are just so I, wrong. I can't <laughs> believe they fasted a child for that long. I mean, that's child cruelty. But then when he died, they thought they could bring it back to life by doing more ceremonies. That's terrible. I'm not sure if, if I'm stating this correctly or not, but it seems to me in my memory I've read an article that said people can go 21 days without eating before they die, and this boy went 25. Well, to be fair, I mean, humans have more fat on them than kids do to a, you know, small, small children. So I think adults could probably go that long. I know, I know you can only go three or four days without water before that becomes a problem. But, you know, starvation back in the day in Northern Ireland, where they'd have prisoners that did hunger strikes. I know some of those uh, prisoners lasted into 70, 75 days, but I don't know what kind of liquids they were being force fed and other things. But that was something that happened in Britain back in the late 70s early 80s with the hunger strikers but i mean you know that's a small child that's outrageous and then thinking they could bring that back with like anointing oil and so forth mm-hmm. is madness it's almost like a cult isn't it yes we read some of these stories i'm not going to have a knock at christianity because i'm a christian myself but you read some of these stories about what churches are doing around the country and it almost sounds like a cult that doesn't sound like any christianity i know where would jesus say starve a child for 25 days where does that even come up it's ridiculous it makes me very angry and annoyed i have a story here that says what's terrifying ghost manifest in front of restaurants owners this is the moment a restaurant owner who didn't believe in ghosts becomes converted by a white light picked up on cctv cameras Marcus Levin, owner of the Get Baked restaurant in Leeds in England, spotted the spooky sight as he checked out the CCTV footage from the early hours of the morning. The camera picked up what appears to be a bright white figure moving across the screen outside the restaurant venue. See, even angels have to eat. Marcus' amazed reaction can be heard as he watches the footage, which he posted on the restaurant's Facebook site. He says, I don't believe in ghosts. This isn't sped up. This is literally just what happened. I've been so scared. He said, I've never been so scared in my entire life. The video has attracted more than 30,000 watchers on Facebook. Marcus later added, I wouldn't joke about this. I am genuinely scared. And even if you don't think the video is weird, you can't deny that what is happening on the door is a little bit freaky. So again, if people wish to see the videos and the photographs from tonight's stories, you can go to... More questions than answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook and all of our stories are there for you to peruse in glorious Technicolor with all the video footage, all the photographs and longer versions of the stories for you to read and comment on. We are currently all on three points and we're tying as we run into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men, it's hairy beasties, it's strange animals from the bottom of the ocean, strange creatures climbing out of caves covered in fur. 
What have you got tonight, Heather, in the round of aliens, UFOs and cryptozoology? Officials unable to explain strange two to three minute roar heard throughout southern Wisconsin. Where are you, Scott? He probably stubbed his toe on a table. There's nothing more painful. Somebody probably scared him in the dark. I've seen... Wow. I see that's going to be the running joke for the next three years. All of season two will be Scott. I have seen the most incredible thunder and lightning shows in this state, which makes me think that God's trod on a Lego brick at some point. A roaring sound heard throughout southern Wisconsin on April 19th has anxious residents mystified and seeking answers from authorities. The sound described as louder than a jet airplane and lasting for two to three minutes was heard around 8.15 p.m. in the cities of Benlow, Elkhorn, Delavan, Milton, Evansville, Albany, Monticello, Monroe, Janesville, and other communities east of Milwaukee. It wasn't someone having a pedicure, was it? I don't think so. I had one of those once. It was torturous. And you did scream. I did scream. It was incredibly painful. The woman was pulling my toenails out, and I had already given her my name, number, and uh, rank. It was very unfair. (laughs) One resident described the noise as loud and constant, while another reported the noise was so thunderous her house vibrated. One frightened family said that they thought a large plane was about to land in their home. Well, we can blame Scott for that again because he's an air traffic controller. Uh, A local Monroe man described the sound as similar to deafening noise of a low-flying commercial jet and noted that for about three minutes, it seemed to fade towards the west. Um, The most likely explanation would be an errant low-flying aircraft, but the southern Wisconsin Regional Airport said no planes were flying through the airspace during that time. The The airspace. The space. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Look, it's from outer space. (laughs) (laughs) Don't bring me down. Space. (laughs) You're terrible. A radar controller in the airport tower told the reporters, I heard the sound too, and there wasn't any jets flying through or anything like that. If they would have come through our airspace, we would have seen it. So even the NASA's meteor tracking said there was nothing there. Uh, The Weather Service said there was nothing there. And to date, the source of the window rattling sound remains a mystery. There is um, some phenomena Sound works in very mysterious ways, and there was a town in Canada where there was a really bizarre humming sound for the longest period of time, and they worked it out that it was a factory, you know, a thousand miles away, and somehow the noise had travelled through certain atmospheric conditions, and it's remarkable that these noises can be picked up, you know, somewhere else. It's almost as if you stub your toe on a table, shout out a few swear words, and somewhere on Mars, you know, suddenly comes through when they're sat there, Martians having their dinner, and suddenly... You know, the the sound of you stubbing your toe comes through. It's probably going to scare them, I would suggest. I have a story about Mars later. Do you? So it's almost like I've been psychic. Yeah. Well, let's jump into the theme of UFOs and aliens. I've got a story here that says, Watch mysterious alien spaceship being towed by trucks near secret area 51 base. Astonishing footage has captured the moment a mysterious UFO is transported through the desert on the back of a truck. Accompanied by a police escort, the truck is seen driving past a petrol station in Nevada with the strange dish-shaped object strapped to the trailer. Can you imagine the reward points you would get if you had to fill up a UFO with enough gas to get it back to another galaxy? They run on gas? <laughs> well, apparently, that's where they were stopping, outside a gas station. <laughs> Can you imagine you go into the gas station and you go into the urinals there and you stand up and you look next to you and there's an alien having a wee? You know, yeah. you pass the time of day and you say, well, the weather's very clement for this time of year. And I can't believe that they would be transporting it uncovered. Yes, it was also underlit. So if this was a UFO, they've lit it up and it didn't have a police escort 
and it was uncovered but we will come to that i was wondering do you still get reward points if you buy gas you get like a reward card how many reward points i mean if you got abducted by an, a, a ufo you're, you're minding your own business you're in the outhouse you know reading the local newspaper in the middle of the night because you've been caught short and suddenly this big beam of light comes down you get taken up into a ufo you can't move for patio furniture and glassware is what i'm saying all the freebies they get at the gas station there's like soccer balls and no just no, me it would be a big you. problem it could bring ufos down couldn't it by weighing them they'd be listing on one side due to patio furniture they've had to take with them due to reward points for the amount of gas required <laughs> to get into other galaxies and universes is what i'm saying it says it has many viewers and it's already been speculated as to what the strange structure could be with some believing it may be an alien spaceship one commentator suggested that the operation looked very suspicious, since oversized loads are usually required to be transported during business hours. But others rubbished the claim, saying that's not a UFO, it's a B-2 stealth drone. The clip, which has been racked up at 300,000 viewers, according to the filmmaker, um, was recorded near to Area 51, a site rumoured to be a top-secret base where authorities meet to study and even dissect alien life forms very interesting though what i discovered this has been uh, on my facebook page now all week so again i don't want to labor the point but if you wish to see what this ufo looks like it is on my facebook page uh, more questions than answers with adrian lee and people have actually commented on this so far so i've had a number of people say that it does in fact look exactly like a naval u.s military drone and uh, when you see a photograph of what this drone looks like I can't believe the American military are currently having secret aircraft that look exactly like UFOs. It's remarkable. You'd see it flying That's overhead. That's a rather large drone, too. It's if I huge. Remember. It's like the whole back of a semi-trailer, That's isn't it? Absolutely right. And uh, there is photographs of what this drone looks like. We'll probably get into trouble with uh, the American authorities for even posting photographs the men of, what in black this, are coming. of what this secret secret u.s naval drone looks like it looks exactly like a ufo and it's got all the american you know markings on it and the naval stickers and so on <laughs> why is that funny it's got bumper stickers <laughs> there's a 1950s pinup model there you know with doris written underneath it and chewing gum stuck to it the interesting thing is it looks like it's been reverse engineered people say the american government have got the military aircraft they've got at the moment because they've reversed engineered from ufos that have actually crashed back in the past and this would 100 percent back that up so if you want to go and look at that it is an amazing um photograph and you will see photos there as well of uh, secret military aircraft but i suggest you get on there and have a look it's a fabulous story and even though it's not a ufo it amazes me that people will be saying this is a ufo when they see it flying over you, you cannot for one moment not believe that's not a ufo because it's a saucer shaped and you'll see it going over and i'm sure mufon have been getting lots of phone calls recently for such things kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and cryptozoology a connecticut man says family of alien creatures has taken over his residence <laughs> they've kicked him out no they play music all night and keep you awake and i can't get to work in the morning <laughs> no i'm just guessing i've no they clue. are residing residing uh, this is in wallingford connecticut a new haven county resident says that a large family of alien creatures living on the trees of his backyard <laughs> and visiting his house regularly birds we call those in britain appear to be holding a grudge against him oh birds with an attitude when yes. birds turn bad <laughs> when birds go wrong 
<laughs> I've had a few dates like that. Just a few. Yes, from uh, 1988 to uh, 2015. <laughs> uh, the anonymous man said that the belongings or the beings also appear to be in possession of crafts of many different sizes. Well, they do like knitting and crocheting and clay work. Beading. No, they're, they're aircraft. Oh, I'm sorry. I just thought there was aliens sat on these tree branches doing quilting. I just thought that was where we were. He says, I kept hearing people in our cellar and went to investigate. Uh, he reported it to the MUFON website. When I did, to my surprise, when he investigated, to his surprise, there were males, females, children, older males, and female counterparts, which I assumed are parents of the male and females of the group. The resident described the entities as human-like people and did not provide further physical details. Were they small or large? I mean, were they sitting on the branches like birds? Were he they didn't small? say. Uh, he claims that they appear to be good climbers and that they seem to be using the 50-foot-tall pine trees in his property as a way to get in and out of the flying ships. It's monkeys, I tell you. He says that they could also be wearing some sort of anti-gravity device. It's monkeys with anti-gravity devices, I tell you. <laughs> and the alien problem, it seems, has propagated deeper inside the man's home. They seem to have some way of physically manipulating the window's locks and to raise up the windows without handling them, he explained. Adding that he realized the creatures exhibited a friendly behavior after meeting an unusual male occupant to whom he allegedly spoke. It's the French. This is the French. I a French you. flying monkey. This is the French, I'm telling you. This is what the French look like. They communicate like this if you're not careful. I've been to Paris. I know what they're like. <laughs> they talked at a very low level. Yes. Now, if I remember, their lips weren't moving. It's a French ventriloquist, I tell you. I'm, <laughs> I was going to say I'm not going back in the box in French, but I can't tell you what that is. No clue. <laughs> My French lessons didn't go as far as ventriloquist acts and going back in the box. <laughs> uh, the friendliness, evidently, he says, has come to an end. There are problems with the aliens, he explains. They seem to think that I had not looked after one of the children who died, according to one of the grieving aliens. The Wallingford local is pleading with MUFON to contact him directly, as he fears he could be taken away by the purported humanoids. No pictures or videos were presented because the man says the aliens come and go quickly, and besides, the camera on my phone would drive them away. That's the last thing you want. There is a story that when we was actually at war with the French in the Napoleonic Wars at the beginning of the 19th century, I'm sure I must have told you this, but there was a shipwreck off the coast of uh, northern Britain on the northeast side of Britain up in Newcastle in a place called Hartlepool. And that shipwreck came to shore and the only survivor they found was a monkey. And that monkey must have been on board the ship. You know, you see pirates, don't you, with parrots and monkeys and all kinds of things. So this monkey must have been on board this ship. It's like 1810, 1812. This shipwreck brings all the detritus and rubbish onto the beach. And the only thing left is a monkey clinging to a plank of wood. Well, we was at war with the French at the time. And the people of Hartlepool thought it was a Frenchman and they hung it. I mean, I'm sure it got a fair trial. But you can imagine what they actually thought the French were like, that they hung a monkey thinking it was a Frenchman. That's so, not true. It's true. The, their soccer team is called uh, the Monkey Hangers. The Flying Monkeys. No, it's called the Monkey Hangers. There's a monkey with a noose around its neck as their mascot. What? Yes, Hartlepool. They're at the bottom of the third division at the moment in, in soccer. They look I like they're going to get relegated. Yes, they're not a particularly successful team, but perhaps they need to rub the magic monkey to get some more luck. You're pointing, Heather, <laughs> as if you have another story. I do. You're looking to get more points, aren't you? I yes. see what you're doing progressively over the weeks. You're squeezing in more and more stories. It's just a little one. It's not. Re it's no coincidence, is it, that you've won the last two shows in a row? 
But it's just a little story. Yes, but it's not fair on me and Kim now because we've only had one story each. That's not true. It you, is. You had two ghost stories. This is true, but it's my show. <laughs> <laughs> See how that works. Can I do it then? Go on. I'm, I'm All right. Game. Has a live dodo been caught on camera? Yeah. I know what a dodo is, yes. All right. A video has appeared online showing what looks like a dodo in a trail camera footage from Costa Rica. The demise of the dodo is well known that the species has become synonymous with the very concept of extinction. One native to the island of Meritus, the Mauritius. Do- is that what it is? It's Mauritius, I'm sure. I'm not looking at your paper. It's Mauritius? I'm sure it's Mauritius. No, it's delicious. It's delicious, is it? <laughs> That's why they died out, because they couldn't fly. They taste so good. Dodo and chips, please. Uh, the do- Fetch me an onion. <laughs> the dodo was utterly fearless of humans. And uh, tastes like chicken. Yes. And when the first explorers arrived there, many of them uh, were easy targets for sailors. There you go. The last well, it makes you wonder what they were doing with them, doesn't it? They were easy targets for sailors. Wink, wink. Oh. I only touched the female dodos, though. There's nothing Stop. odd with that. Uh, the last confirmed sighting of a live dodo occurred over 350 years ago. I didn't know that, though. Yes. That it was that long there's, ago. There's a moth-eaten exhibit in the natural history museum in london of a stuffed or taxidermied a real one yes but it's very very kind of bedraggled and and moth-eaten and it's probably the only version they have of that that's been taxidermied but yes you're right that was about 300 years ago well apparently a lot of people actually think that the dodos didn't even exist at all that we just made them up no there's there's a there's a taxidermied one in britain i know that for sure uh, this month, however, a strange video appeared on the internet. Why would we make? Sorry, I, why would we? What's the benefit of making up that there was a flightless bird knocking around three hundred years ago? What I don't would be know. the benefit of that? Uh, this month, a strange video appeared on the internet, which was allegedly filmed from a trail camera. It wasn't a sailor with a dodo, Costa Rica. was it? No. Oh. Uh, the recording <laughs> appeared to have been triggered by a lizard on the foreground, but after a few seconds, a familiar bird can be seen foraging in the background. As to confirm its identity, the bird walks right across the camera just before the footage ends. Could it possibly be real evidence of a live dodo, or is it simply a clever hoax? You mean so, it's a chicken thinking it'll play a joke on everyone? No, it actually did look like a dodo. I have to say it did. Well, but. I'm going to have to go and look at that then. That is a fabulous story. I should give you points. I haven't been reading the points out, by the way, but currently Greg is on zero. I'm on three. <laughs> Heather's on three. Kim is on three. And I shall give Heather points there to bring her up to six. Well, on the back of the fact you're squeezing extra stories in, and I feel sorry for you, Kim, I have a story here that I wish to read out. <laughs> in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology, if you come in last, Kim, it'll be no surprise. <laughs> Watch as mystery alien-like creature aggressively chews through a cage. This is the mysterious moment an unknown alien-like animal chews through a metal cage. The video uploaded onto YouTube from a user based in China shows the creature aggressively gnawing its way through the cage after it was discovered in the Shenzhen Reservoir in China's Sam Bay. It had apparently been swimming and was fished out of the water by workers for the Department of Drainage. So it had a diving mask on then and a bikini, apparently. Even cryptozoological animals need a vacation. Can you imagine Bigfoot and Yeti, you know, lying on the beach, tequila, cigar, (laughs) their tails are laid out, the kids are playing in the water. They even need a break. Why would they have to lay out their tails? Their towels. Oh. Yes. I'm sorry, it's my East London accident. Accident, my East London accident. 
Yes, that's what my parents were doing in 1970 when I was conceived. The man who uploaded the video, Raymond Jung, claims the animal could be a mythical water ghost. So how does a ghost stay locked in a cage then? I just think it could walk through, couldn't it? They go through walls. A cage wouldn't stop a ghost, would it? I'm shouldn't stop water either. This is also true. Thank you for pointing that out. A cage, ladies and gentlemen, is no good for the capture of water, apparently. <laughs> Who knew such things? Footage of the creature. So perhaps two negatives make a positive, and the water ghost was in fact caged. Let's go with that. All right. <laughs> Footage of the creature finishes before we can see if it escaped to freedom. I don't know why I said that in a strange voice. I think it's a sloth with mange, to be perfectly honest. It looks very mangy and it looks like a sloth. Do you know they move really slowly? Just kind of, you know, gnawing at the cage. Everyone's looking at me as if they've never heard of a sloth before. You know what a sloth is, right? Yes, I know You're what a sloth is. You're not getting points for this. A sloth. A sloth. Yes. Oh, I see. I see where we're going now. Racism <laughs> in the workplace. <laughs> it's a sloth, I tell you, because you're slothful. You're not slothful, are you? No, just me then. Okay, <laughs> I shall give myself points because I'm in charge. I am now on a large and resplendent six. For more informative paranormal madness, please stay tuned after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, whether water can be trapped in a cage, cryptozoology, Bigfoot, crop circles, ghosts, and how to pronounce the word sloth. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, why, and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website at lapig.org. And they also have a fabulous Facebook site. If you type in the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group, all of the week's UFO stories will be there for you to look at. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos, guest speakers, French monkeys living in trees. Everyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you wish to be one of the show's sponsors and hear your business or product advertised by the dulcet tones of an eccentric Englishman live on air, going out to the nation and beyond, please contact the show. I would love to hear from you. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I am your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania and for the annoying inability to say sloth live on air. <laughs> Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been and what could have been more important? If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site, 
More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. Where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolour for your perusal, including all the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me your stories at mqta at rocketmail.com and my Twitter account is Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips and we currently have over 45,000 followers on there so my thanks to all of those listeners that come and join me weekly on that particular Twitter site. I've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has thankfully now stopped snoring from the room next door. So we run into the round that is strange and bizarre. It's the stories from around the week that are too fabulous not to include in any other round, but are too strange and too bizarre for you to believe. Heather, you are currently tied in the lead with me at six points. So this could nudge you into a winning position what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre i'm confident i got the winner you're confident are you even though i'm doing the scoring and i told you last week you wasn't going to win anymore you're still confident you remember that nope if our listeners wish to go onto soundcloud (laughs) and uh, look up episode eight if they type in mqta radio on soundcloud and go on to uh, yes but they'll also notice at the end i said i wasn't going to let you win again we bleeped that part out. Yes, we did. That was edited, was it? <laughs> On a show that's meant to be unedited. What have you got for me? I'm, my, my anticipation is that levels are, are undescribable at the moment. I've unbelievable. South Dakota has a new ad campaign. Do you know that? An ad campaign? What, to a get new people one. to yep. go to mm-hmm. South Dakota? Yep. At least we we're have not... electricity. Come nope. to South Dakota. At least we're not Mars. Well, that's true. Yeah. You can't deny it. Why die on Mars when you can live in South Dakota? You can't die on Mars. <laughs> no, that's not true. You haven't been listening to the other stories we've done. Yes, I fall asleep when you're doing your stuff. Oh, boy. Uh, that's no, the it's qu- buoy. Oh, no. <laughs> that's the question at the heart of a new ad campaign in which the state positions itself as a better alternative to a barren, lifeless rock. Aren't you happy? So South Dakota is saying this is better than Mars because yes. at least we have some water and some atmosphere. Pretty much, that's, yep. That's the only thing they could yep. find beneficial about going to South Dakota. <laughs> the ad campaign from Mount the government's Rushmore, office. I tell you. What about Mount Rushmore? And the, it's a rock. Um, what for, about the Badlands? That's still rocks. What about Deadwood County, Deadwood Town? More rocks. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> South Rocks, we'll call it now. Are you going to go to South Rocks for your holidays this year? Uh, the campaign from the governor's office of economic development and was first reported on South Dakota's Argus Leader, which ran a long story last late last week about a tongue-in-cheek effort, uh, which is an attempt to shake off the perception of outsiders for South Dakota as merely a tourist destination. I never saw South Dakota as just a tourist destination. I don't know. The heights of Sioux Falls. Well, it's trying to represent a shift from the old selling point that failed in the past to resonate, which was a lack of income tax in an attempt to jump into what's current. Okay. So they're trying to jump into the future. Which is Mars, apparently. Yes. Uh, The young people are being targeted by the campaign, which they're actually interested in saturating the market with new and current news. Something needed to hook them. And we know that demographics spends a lot of time talking about trending topics. And Mars was a trending topic 
because, you know, everybody was trying to get on board and go to Mars so and never come back. So if it's a trending topic that Bruce Jenner's having a sex change, they'd have advertised He should live in South, South Dakota. And they should advertise sex change in South Dakota, is that what That's right. Okay. Become a woman. Well, it's lucky Move that Mars to came Dakota. top of the list then, isn't it, in many yes. respects? Here's a transcript from the ad, and I know you're anxious. Mars, the air, not breathable. The no. surface, cold and barren. Hot would be my advice. But thousands are lining up for a chance to go and never come back. What, okay. South Dakota? No, that's okay. Mars. Oh, right. Yep. South Dakota is progressive. As an atmosphere. Productive. Isn't hot as hell. And abundant in oxygen. And you can come back. Yes. Why <laughs> die on Mars when you can live in South Dakota? Surely the message there is that if you go to Mars, it's a one-way trip. But the great thing about going to South Dakota is, in fact, you can come home again. Am <laughs> <laughs> I the only one who's seen this? But they're not on this process. A psychologist would suggest well, to you I'm it's not... I'm trying to think that, you know, they're saying that South Dakota is next to Mars as the worst possible place to ever be. Isn't that big motorcycle meet, Sturgis? Yes, Sturgis. That's in South yes. Dakota, isn't it? yes. I just think it's remarkable that they're suggesting that they're comparing South Dakota to Mars on the back of the fact that you can come back from South Dakota. Pretty much, yeah. So if you meet anyone who's from South Dakota and they're not in South Dakota, that's because they found the railway station. Pretty much. Okay. I like South Dakota. (laughs) I won't hear a bad thing said about it. I've driven through Keystone and uh, various other places. What's that drug place called? Drug Wall? Wall Drug. Wall Drug. <laughs> drug I don't place. know. I'm foreign. Drug place. What's the drug place hmm. we went to? Fifth Street. I've forgotten. <laughs> God, I was, I was so munted. I can't remember anything. I don't even know what state I was in. I saw this like big mountain, man, and it was like faces coming out of it, man. It was incredible. <laughs> Kim, help me, quick. Strange and bizarre, madam. Colorado man cited for killing uncooperative computer with a handgun. Wow. Was the handgun kind of coming at him? No, the computer. No, he killed the computer. He killed the computer. He killed the computer. Denver, police in Colorado have cited a 37-year-old man for carrying his computer into an alley, then shooting it eight (laughs) times (laughs) with a handgun after what authorities said had been a long battle with the uncooperative machine. Ever felt that way, Greg? Yes. <laughs> Greg gets a point. I like the fact that the police could turn up with their hazard tape and mark out the alleyway. <laughs> and, and chalk then, it off. And then chalk off the shape of a laptop. <laughs> I'm going to try that with my uh, cell phone. It was a terrible sight. I mean, the guy shot this laptop eight times and I, there was transistors all over the pavement. You could see rams. There was leaking fluid. There was rams spreading. What fluid have you got in your laptop? Greg has a... Water cooled. Water cooled. Yeah. Greg's got a water. Greg's Greg's radiator on his computer is is in fact more expensive than my entire car. Greg's got more computing knowledge down here than sent man to the moon. So Greg's computer can leak. Yes, it can. Can your can it leak, Greg? If you don't treat it right. Yeah, I think it can. The the older it gets, I guess it drips a bit more. Does it? (laughs) <laughs> okay fair enough this is true ladies and gentlemen greg's computer that runs all of the software for our radio show and uh, accesses all of the boards and does everything for us um does have a radiator it it's incredible i wonder if you shot it if it would be a federal offense because the board in there the memory board is military class greg wow. go and get a gun 
If we suddenly, try that now. What you're going to hear, ladies and gentlemen, is the sound of a gun going off and then silence as the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was supposed to be silence. You're not supposed to laugh. Stop laughing. Oh, you're going to clap. Yes. Sorry. I was going to, yes, Greg, you're going to lose points for clapping before I was a. Al- <laughs> <laughs> Greg, put that away. It's going to frighten children. So he shot his laptop in an alley. I like the way he's had to go to an alleyway. Why couldn't he have done that in his basement? Or well, if it ricocheted or something. I don't know. Someone died last week by a ricocheted bullet from an armadillo. That's they did. It's yes. the gospel truth, I tell you. Sure, she didn't die. That was his mother-in-law. Oh, yes, yeah, right. Shot her in the die. bottom. The armadillo died. The armadillo the died. Yep. So Lucas Hinch was cited for discharging a firearm within city limits after officers responded to a shots fired call. Have you ever discharged anything in front of a laptop, Greg? In an alley? No, I haven't. Investigation revealed a resident was fed up with his fighting his computer for the last several months, said the statement entitled, Man Kills His Computer. (laughs) He took the computer into the back alley and fired eight shots into the computer with a handgun, effectively disabling it. (laughs) Disabling it. The Colorado Springs Gazette newspaper cited police as saying Hinch was good-natured about the citation and that he told officers he had not realized he was breaking the law. (laughs) What did the computer's family say? Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine you're all around the grave and there's this small square that the computer's being lowered into in a little wooden casket, like a cigar box. The bits are left. He shot her up so badly, you know, all that was left was like a disk drive and some relays and a you know, few No transits. memory left. No memory, just lowered into a box. No, all they had left was memory. <laughs> No? No. If you throw enough at the wall, one will stick. I've got a story here that says mass exorcism of school kids leaves many in hysterics as priests attempts to banish the devil. School children have been left screaming and sobbing after a priest carried out a mass exorcism at them at a religious camp. The 1,000 young people... The 1,000 young people, these stories are written so badly, it's outrageous, from schools in the town of Griffiths, northwestern Poland, were attending the three-day camp to help young people explore God and devote themselves to spiritual renewal through prayer. But instead of singing songs and praying, priest Thomas Vachorek, 37, was more interested in exercising their demons and replacing them with God. Shocked mum, Magda Ruthkuskar, 43, said on the first day he took a few of the children on stage and placed his hand on their forehead, one by one, and started repeating, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come. Some of the children fainted, whilst others started crying. When other students went to help their semi-conscious pals, the priest commanded them to stay still, adding, God is entering their souls and banishing the devil. At least that's what he told the judge. Some children touched by the priest began screaming. Again, there's a joke in there somewhere. While others burst out in fits of laughter, a student who was there said it was really scary, almost like a mental asylum. Some of them were writhing on the floor, others were laughing hysterically, and others were screaming and crying. God, I miss university. The police said he was purifying them, but it was too much for most of us. The next day, we didn't turn up because we were scared about what had happened. It's outrageous what priests get up to, especially in Poland. We move finally into the round that is called Not For Your Mother. This is the round where perhaps we read the stories of the week that we can't read in the early part of the show because they're laden with innuendo. They're laden with offensive 
stories, things that are found around the world's websites, news agencies that are too good not to read out, but could get us into a lot of trouble if we read them out live on air. So you have been warmed. If your mother is in the room, please take her outside and uh, put her down. It's only for her best interests and uh, you can shoot her next to the laptop, I'm guessing. Maybe it'll ricochet like an armadillo. Yes, they are, Mum. Stand next to the armadillo. <laughs> I can't get you in the same photograph. If you can put your arm around the armadillo, that'll be great. I'm just going to get a 22. I've got a story here that says pageant mum feeds her daughter tapeworms to slim her down for a beauty pageant. Today in terrifying parenting, terrifying parenting should be a, a TV show. A TV show. It probably is. On an upcoming episode of Untold Stories of the ER. We hear the tale of a Florida pageant mum. It's always in Florida, isn't it? Who fed her teenage daughter tapeworm eggs to help her lose weight for an upcoming competition. When the girl arrived at the hospital with a bloated stomach and severe pain, the nurse's first thought was that she might be pregnant. But ultrasound didn't show a baby. But it did show a bizarre growth in her intestines. And a trip to the bathroom revealed a toilet bowl full of wriggly tape. Oh, my God. I I spent many years of my childhood thinking I had worms. And then I discovered after years and years of sleepless nights and trying to pluck up the courage to get to the doctors that my mum was flushing dental floss down the toilet. (laughs) And that is the God's honest truth. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Actually, I will go on with your story a little bit. I've actually seen where you can buy tapeworms. Could you, uh, could you, as a joke, put them in, you know, someone's sandwich? Have a tapeworm sandwich. That wouldn't be a joke. That would be to Greg, someone Greg, I don't like. Greg, would you like a nice cup of tea? I'll make you a nice cup of tea. Not going to happen. No, he doesn't like tea. Mix Coffee. it in with the rice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, God. I've made you some noodles. Heather's thought about this. <laughs> yes. I've made you noodles. If ever offers you noodles at any point, I would... Uh, why are my noodles moving? <laughs> how, many times, how many times, Greg, have you sat in the bath and said, why is my noodle moving? <laughs> no answer. Oh, look, meatballs. Oh. Controversial. You can see why we leave this round to last, can't you? Because we'd be taken off the air. It'd be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So do continue. Tapeworms. Oh, well, no, I was just going to tell you that there there is a website, and I think that you can get them from like Mexico or something, but they will ship, ship you. They, uh, they will ship you. They'll ship you. Uh, <laughs> You'll be shitting tapeworms. Pretty much. Yeah. You can get tapeworm eggs oh. and there are people that really go out there to eat them, to lose weight. It's really? disturbing. Well, but if it, obviously it's going to affect your health, but if you're talking the lose weight thing and it bloats your stomach, what's the purpose? Well, it depends on how long you leave them in there. I think I did I did some research on this because I was curious because I couldn't believe people were actually eating worms to lose weight. And what they would do is they would eat the worms and then they'd leave them in there for like uh, two or three weeks. And then they would eat something to kill the worms inside them. So, but some people thought they wanted to lose more weight, so they'd leave them in longer. In fact, I think I actually saw the story on a thousand ways to die. Some lady left him in way too long, and she actually died because they multiplied. uh, The the doctor was playing tug of war. She was bent over, holding onto a like dental floss. Yeah, she was hanging onto the door handle, and she was at her doctor's, and he was tugging it, pulling it out like rope. Apparently, it was like a lasso. Took her liver and her kidneys out with it. Did you see mm-hmm. that episode too? No, I'm, I'm, what I'm thinking is that I don't think worms eat that much. 
if you're stuffing well if you're stuffing burger after burger down your gullet and loads of chicken mcnuggets a small worm the size of a noodle yes they do do the research i shall come back next week and we will find out we will feed adrian worms yes and then we'll see how much i eat and if i lose any weight yes right social experiments live on air (laughs) we'll tug that bad boy out live on air you're you're here And you'll hear the straining of Greg as he's pulling muscles in his back as he's gripping hold of the tapeworm and tugging for all of his life. Stop, that's not the tapeworm. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like you must have swallowed some chewing gum. If you do that, I'm not going to be here next week. (laughs) No, we'll be recording our own show. Okay, I have a story for you. You have a story? Wow, who knew? You're getting points for even having a story. A woman who's 38 flashes Google Street View camera and crosses the item off her bucket list. So she waited for a Google camera to yeah, come around. Yeah, she did. The and car then, to come around. And then, you know. She whipped them out. Oh, top or bottom? Top. Top. And okay. I supplied a She's picture. She's endowed, too. I wonder yeah, if she I'll lived in Chesterfield. Oh. Or Bristol? Uh, when, Oldham. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, when a Google Street View car began mapping her neighborhood in January, Australian Karen Davis, of course, pulled up her shirt and exposed her sizable breasts to a passing camera. But before the photos were uploaded, Google's powerful algorithms triggered the pixelating aspects. They've got algorithms that pick up boobs, have they? Wait, no, such as faces of individuals and license plate numbers. So what this algorithm will do, will find a person's face, pixelate it, find a license plate, pixelate it. So when he saw her boobs, they thought right said Fred had come along and pixelated both of them. It was Kojak and his brother. It gets better. However, as seen above, and yes, I supplied a picture for both of you. Well, you too, Kim, if you want to see them. Um, (laughs) We're not discriminating here. If you want to see a woman's breasts, you feel free. Uh, Google's algorithm did not pick up her boobs. Therefore, her face is pixelated, but her boobs are not. (laughs) (laughs) That worries me now, because if that computer software was specifically designed to digitize boobs, how bad must her boobs look if the computer didn't recognize them as boobs? No, it isn't. It's only for license plates and and faces. faces. Not boobs. So not show what, what will that do to the Loch Ness monster if it tries to pixelate his face? Because they have that Street View camera for him now. Yes, they do. They uh-huh. lock the lock. So what's what's your imagination tell you? What's it going to do to Loch Ness? So if the, the Loch Ness monster gets his boobs out, we'll be we'll be seeing them. Or if yes. the Loch Ness monster looks like a boob, we're good. <laughs> yes, a floating boob. It was the abominable the boob. <laughs> Perhaps to capture that, then we need some sort of booby trap. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Are you done? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I, I I thought my impression of a ghost town was particularly impressive. (laughs) I look at Google Maps a lot, and I wanted to be on there. And I thought, this is a way to do it, Davis told the Port Pirie Recorder, her local newspaper. I got to tick something else off my bucket list. What else is on her bucket list if number one was flashing your boobs at a Google camera? I don't know. It makes you wonder what else she wants to do in life. Wash. Uh, I don't know. Where would this be on the list? That's where I would like to know. Was this number 27 or number one? Oh, it comes just after parachuting and bungee jumping, doesn't it, I'm guessing? Oh, Davis dismissed criticism of her flashing as jealous whales of the less pendulous. Pendulous is a great word. It's like (laughs) orbulous. Orbulous 
pendulous bosoms. There you go. All the flat titty chicks think I'm disgusting, said Davis, <laughs> who is hoping that Google will send her a free T-shirt. As of this morning, Davis's topless shot remains unaltered on Street View. Would Does, you like to see it? Go on, I'm game. See I'll, them? I'll describe it to our listeners. Yes, this because <laughs> this is pendulous. Yes, yes, yeah. Would you like to see the pendulous? Yes, you've t- asked me three times and I've said yes on every occasion. Yes, I know. And you're he's, almost, he's, he's, he's got saliva. He's, getting, he's sweating a little bit. Greg's taking his trousers <laughs> and he's off. he's gripping the table for some ungodly reason. <laughs> I have to. Let me look. I'll... For the love of God, they are very, very large. They're Greg. bigger than Get your off head. me, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are um, in proportion with her body, but they are they are very uh, bigger than her head. They're pendulous, is what they are. Each one is bigger than her head. They, they, I'm passing that around. You can keep that, Greg, if you want that. It's like show and tell, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Wow, they're huge. Aren't they? Describe them, Greg. Fair Big. enough. Big. Speechless. <laughs> It's making me thirsty. Go and make me a drink. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother? Japanese beauty cream leaves your hands smelling like cat paws. Cat no. paws. Cat paws. No. Why, I don't, why would a cat's paws smell any different from any other part of its body? My cats smell of popcorn. I don't uh, know why. They just smell of popcorn. What do yours smell like, Heather? Litter box. <laughs> <laughs> no, they taste like litter box. They smell of popcorn. Uh, lots of people love cats, but how many would actually want to smell like one? Well, as it turns out, there's a small army of cat lovers out there who love the smell of cat paws. Fresh cat in the morning. I love it. <sighs> so much so that they're willing to spend money on this Japanese hand cream that promises to lend them the irresistible whiff of feline paws. Wow. I can't think of what a cat would smell like. I mean, it just, I don't, I'm well, confused. <laughs> Help me. As I get further into the story, I will give you some ideas from other people. Uh, the cream is the brainchild of Japanese online retailer Felicimo. The How com- many cats do you have to squeeze before you get like a pint of cat cream? I mean, do you have to squeeze, do you have to put them in through a mincer or what do you do? And then can you call it essential oil? Essential cat oil. There you go. For all your feline needs. <laughs> wow. Uh, the company claims that the unusual idea came about during a brainstorming session when an employee suggested a cream that leaves the skin as soft and squeezable as a cat's paw. Everyone at the meeting loved the idea, and eventually they got to talking about the smell of cat's paws, which is apparently considered mysteriously soothing. Litter box is mysteriously soothing. Yes. I'm going to have to grab my cat, and next time I'm having trouble sleeping, she'll be wriggling around, and I'll be sniffing her paws, and then the police will be called, no doubt. (laughs) If I tried to sniff my cat's paws, I would end up with a face full of blood and my eyeball hanging out. She'll show you what her last nerve looks like. True enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, getting the exact fra- fragrance just right wasn't an easy task. Rep- representatives from Felicimo visited a cat cafe along with the president of Yamamoto Perfumery Compre- Company where they sampled smells all day long. Cat cafe. Cats, yes. I've always found cat to be very greasy. I can't believe they're selling it in cafes. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you'd have to have something to mop that up with. You can't, you know. It, well, I wondered have... what they meant by cat cafe. Yeah, cat's greasy. It's it's a really rich meat. I don't, you know. <laughs> you'd want some rice Ew. with that or some potatoes or something. I don't think something. you're That's understanding it right. Okay. Uh, Felicimo also contacted cat lovers through social media asking what their cat's paws smelled like. Oh, for crying. 
The question proved to be a popular one, and people came up with all sorts of responses, right from caramel crepes to wheat to freshly cooked soybeans. Hang on, so my, my guess at popcorn wasn't a million miles away, was it? The most common response, though, was popcorn. No way! Oh! Points for me! Hurrah! Who knew such things? <laughs> now we know what you do in your off time. All those years at university weren't wasted. I know that cats have eight nipples, but only six of them work. That was a long. We've had this discussion yes, before, and I keep. I want to try and keep bringing it up just so I can get some therapy and get it out there. So the public know. I wasted uh, an afternoon on a Sunday once. If if you want some of this hand cream, no, it is finally ready. <laughs> it will be out in August. Excellent, just a in time 50, for Christmas. A fifty gram container will be priced at eleven hundred and thirty one yen, or nine dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> Two million four hundred seventy five thousand yen, or twenty three cents. How would I still want to know how many cats you have to squeeze before you get anywhere near a jar? That would be, you know, do you have to kind of hang them out on a line and squeeze them slowly? Some sort of it's not made of cat. What are you thinking? It's just the smell of cat. Yes. Oh, I'm confused. My final story of the night says in Alabama, theft of urinal items stumps officials. Urinal for us Americans. <laughs> Heather's got minus one. <laughs> I love it when an American corrects my English when I'm speaking English. It always makes my day. <laughs> Officials in Alabama say they're investigating a series of thefts involving metaurinal components from restaurant bathrooms. Jefferson County Sheriff's spokesman Randy Christian said that authorities had been told a man walking into the men's room and stealing flush valves and supply lines from urinals is happening more often. Authorities say the man left each business without being noticed. How can you walk out of a business with a couple of urinals under your arm and not be he noticed? He left business. He left his business. <laughs> Christian says the pipes weren't made of copper and would have little value if a theft tried selling them as scrap metal. Christian says officials... Officials, officials officials are unsure why the items are being stolen apparently he also stole toilet seats from the police department but the police now say they have nothing to go on <laughs> <sighs> it was almost worth an hour and 20 minutes of you the found show. a story to go into that didn't you <laughs> fabulous it was worth it just for the end punchline <laughs> well all good things come to an end <laughs> so you. let us look at tonight's scores <laughs> in last place with the k2 meter with the dead battery is greg who's managed one positive integer heather is third on five points kim has six and our resplendent winner in first place with the thirty-three thousand dollar ir camera is myself on a lovely round eight points wow but do not fear listener remember we are back with a whole new bunch of cheating next week at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal caged ghosts in water sloths without any fur strange intriguing squeezing cats and paws and all manner of urinals being stolen please tell your friends and family about the show and especially if there's any french monkeys living in a tree just outside your window you can contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions than answers with adrian lee or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com you can also join my twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Tom Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area, Paranormal Interest Group, and MUFON of Minnesota. 
it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting good night (laughs) 